Okay, so this is my first official podcast, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have Natty here with me. Hey. Hi, Natty. <laughs> Hi, Matt. How you going? I'm good. Good. So the idea of this is there's no structure at all, which is what I like. Yeah. And I've been thinking for a while of doing a podcast, and the idea of this is just pretty much asking questions, seeing where things go, what people's views on the world are, maybe... Obviously, I'm a yoga teacher and you're a yoga teacher, so what things got you into yoga teaching as well and why you like yoga teaching and why you believe in it, I think is quite an interesting thing that I've always asked myself but not really had formal discussions with people about why that is. Yeah. So probably just to like lead it in is, I guess, what got you into teaching yoga? What got me te- into teaching yoga? Well... I'd been practicing yoga for six to eight years, mm-hmm. and um, and I was at a point in my life where I knew I wanted to help people, and I knew I wanted to be fit, and I knew I loved philosophy, and then um, my practice became more about hanging out with the teacher after class, yeah, and then, cool. um, so I went on a retreat with her, and laying in the vineyards in Provence and I looked up at the sun naked and was like, oh my God, I'm meant to be a yoga teacher. (laughs) Oh, very cool. And so I came back to Australia and did that. How long ago was that? Um, 2011, eight years ago? Yeah, eight years ago. Yeah. And, um, and then like I really got into teaching like the training and stuff. Like I wanted to know as much as I could. And do as many things as I could. Yeah. So I, yeah, I had the Fuagua yoga yeah. understanding. And so I spent a lot of time. I came back to Australia and spent a year reading all the texts for the training. Yeah. Because I couldn't afford to do the training. Yeah, cool. And, um, and then tried for the scholarship and didn't get that. And so then kept studying on my own. And then the following year, I managed to pull enough money together to do it. And so then went from there and did it oh, and did it on a part-time basis well you would have too like i think when i've, when I've been on, on courses there's like you would have been pretty well versed by the time you came because most people just don't even really have that much yeah well some people and i didn't like that was one of the things in the training is that they said that you had to have done a minimum six months of yoga practice and there were some students that literally found yoga six months ago and was doing their training so yeah. it was really interesting like there's quite a diverse bunch of people in the training so it made it very interesting oh very cool and where, where where did you do your training um i did my training through body mind life oh yeah yeah and so it's just like it was was it the one in, yeah. was there in sydney yeah? um so it was when they just had opened the sorry hills one yeah in the second place and so then um uh in that then um oh i might i might do a little door close Can I can't be a bad boy. Yeah, that's alright. Alright, continue. Um, so <laughs> we are at we are Boston's pad. Yeah. Boston's on the phone, and it's Boston's pad, so I can't tell Boston to get off the phone because that would make me a dickhead. <laughs> I'll come to your house to do a podcast. Just don't don't do your life thingies. <laughs> I've got the cats. The cats will probably at some stage come in. 
Yeah, totally, but that's so. part of it, I think, the cat. Because part, yeah, part of my life is it's in Sydney, obviously. Oh, yeah, look. Oh, yeah, you're going for the... Um, yeah, the cool camera. Going for the camera. Don't do that. It's a new phone, and I'll, I'll break my own time. <laughs> um, so it's always been in Sydney, right? I haven't noticed it anywhere else. No. Oh, no, no, now they're, like, down in South Sydney as well, and Kilda. Yeah, but they're basically, like, Sydney. Yeah, 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 totally. And what made you choose them? Um, so I connected with a um, high school mate of mine. And he told me that there was this teacher there that's just amazing. He was a car mechanic as well as a yoga teacher. Right. And he just is a great guns and I should go and train with him. And so so I did. I went to Body Mind Life. And, um, and then, yeah, and then I just started hanging out with all the teachers and doing lots of karma yoga to pay for my own classes. Cool. And so I got to chat to all the teachers before class and stuff like that. And got a better understanding of what I was kind of getting into. Yeah. It really rad. It felt really the right thing to be doing. Cool. So what, what did you do before you got into yoga? Um, I was working in hospitality and working in offices as um, always like an, an assistant or an administrator or and in hospitality I was like running bars or managing um, yeah bars and uh, like restaurant teams and stuff like that. So, Hospitality work. Yeah. I think yeah. I worked. I worked for a while. And I used to do cycling as a cycling mechanic, and that was obviously like, you know, not hospitality, but it was dealing with the public and transactions and them mm. buying things, and me being their bitch basically, and and you know like me trying to sell them a bike, which they didn't really care if they bought the bike or not, which didn't really make me a good a good employee <laughs> as far as as far as making the business money. So I can tell this hospitality. Well, I really liked hospitality. I fell into hospitality when I finished school, and um, and I really liked being having to like care for people, and that was always something. And so when I started yoga, then like it was the same kind of care thing, but like from a different way. And that was one thing I knew I had to stop doing hospitality when I started teaching yoga because like I started to appreciate food and drink differently and so being hospitable wasn't being so grotesque and vulgar yeah. <laughs> with, with how I consumed it was being more conscious about that I think too so my, my father he was a chef and mm. yeah like a big culture thing there was obviously like you know, there, was, there was a big culture around sort of drinking mm. and but there's ways to do that and I think different yeah. cultures I was always frustrated in Australian culture comparative to like European culture around like food and drinking and yeah and that's what what kind of led me to be in London and led me to be in Hungary and then also what made me appreciate coming back to Australia with a different understanding of the world and mm. then yeah seeing how you could you know influence people and affect people in a different way in a more positive way uh-huh. and still be able to eat and drink and do yoga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could, you could do both. Because I think it's interesting, there are lots coming from New Zealand, there's parallels between mm. the two. Like New Zealand's got, you know, the binge drinking culture. Is it? Yeah. It's, as much? I think it's, I think it's much of a muchness. Like, New Zealand's interesting. There's, like, New Zealand's always like, oh, New Zealand. And it's like, New Zealand's like domestic violence capital of the planet. Like, really? Oh, yeah, man. Like, I remember growing up as a kid, it was just like, I think domestic violence was happening. Like, not in my home, but it's like, it appeared to be relatively normal. Yeah. And alcohol was always sort of involved with a lot of that. 
I think, yeah, it's a little bit different, the drinking. Um, I think more the just, I'd probably say the binge drinking is, is more so, like, definitely, like, you know, I've, I've encountered some real, you know, had drunk people here. Mm. But in New Zealand, it's it's still there. It still goes along with, like, you know, Christmas means get fucked up and this means get fucked up and yeah. this means... Um, I think that's still be- that's becoming more of a universal thing with Westernization, though. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Well, so, what do you think that that, that probably is a, a good avenue to go down? Is like, what do you think that's about? Gluttony. Gluttony. Yeah. Like, yeah. what drives it? Because I mean, obviously, I really like like I... you can appreciate something like you can appreciate a hundred dollar glass of scotch and just have the one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to speak, and you'll be fine. But because like this bargaining it to you and selling it as a so many different things and then getting on your really base chakra so to speak <laughs> and going on that one and going yeah you get you know you like, get two for pay another half and you get yeah two yeah yeah, yeah. like it's just yeah so that's true you're like we have in new zealand we have like bottle shops but when i came here your accessibility is like way like it's like you know like woolies like say you went to woolies in New Zealand, and there'd be like the alcohol section in Woolies, you know? mm. whereas you've got like Woolies, and then like the other part of Woolies, which is beer, wine, and spirits, mm. or whatever, which is basically Woolies, mm. but is like supermarket for piss, and it's just like a, a blow, blowing out by the size of like I remember going into like one of those beer, wine, and spirits, and it's like, oh, it's a supermarket, just for alcohol. I couldn't believe there was so much different alcohol. Well, I, what I really like is, like, in Hungary, like, you, I, when I lived in Hungary, being Hungarian, then um, you could go into a convenience store at any time of day and get anything. You could get alcohol, you could get your milk and your cheese and your washing up liquid. Like, it was, but then, like, yes, there was alcoholism and there is and stuff like that, but people, a lot of people appreciated it differently. Like, it wasn't always the mission to go get fucked. It was, like, that would be a side effect of, being around so many yeah. people for such a long time and doing fun things, but you're always doing activities and stuff like you know, alcohol's got to process through you, and um, or you're dancing, you know, mm. people don't dance so freely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you can dance at any time and get the same feeling of being drunk, but not be drunk, yeah, <laughs> but people have to get drunk to, to get, dance to be <laughs> relaxed enough with themselves. To get to that point, which is kind of funny. Which is funny, but I would I would agree with what you're saying. Where you know, if you have these places that you go to, and yes, you could buy alcohol there, and and, and all your other things. I actually think that that tends to curb excess use, Ooh. as opposed to like you don't have that, but you go to this magical land where it's just like yeah. it's like and and it kind of encourage. Obviously, it's just like there's so much there. It's just like you're like the kid in the candy store, you're like, whoa, 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 there's this one, whoa, there's that one, like, you know? Yeah. You know, and then, so I can totally see how it happens. But I think it's interesting, I do think about, like, why, because I like Christmas and things, like, I like seeing people come together, I like all those sort of social implications, but it's interesting in our side of the world how that also tends to be that we know, say, you know, when there's a public holiday on the Monday, mm there's going to be some messy shit going on Saturday night and even yeah. Sunday night. Yeah. But that, that's interesting. Like, people come together, but then also 
but you talked about the gluttony of like also becoming mm. like we were talking about it. Yeah. It's, I think consumption in general is something that, you know, when you start fasting, we were talking about this the other day with um with Shannon and it like when you fast and you start to realise how much you do consume. Yeah. It's and constant. Then, it's like you're constantly just trying to not be dead, and it's just like and, you realize that's yeah, tiring. Yeah, or be afraid of feeling, you know. <laughs> or feeling hungry. Yeah, yeah, but or a bit afraid of feeling. Like you can be feeling something, so you eat something. You feeling something, so you do something else. So you kind of like missing feeling the struggle or the emotion or the heartache, which is actually really important for the human condition to evolve. Mm. Is to have a challenge and to have a struggle and to have not everything at your fingertips because the more convenience you put into people then the less animal they are or the less instinctual they are and creature like yeah, yeah, yeah but you think that that's an interesting like you know coming here in new zealand like i remember when i first came here i was blown away by like aircon units like we don't have them like that here in new zealand really yeah and it was like you know, I mean, there's a lot of that stuff of like. Well, that's the thing. Why are you, why we live in Australia if you don't want if you want to like yeah, go live in Australia, go, go live in. But you see ads. You see ads like it's always going to be 22 degrees. Oh, it's perfect. It's always so perfect bad. when it's winter. I'm going to be 22 degrees. When it's summer, I'm going to be 22 degrees. And that's like like you're talking about. That's what is the underlying behind that, which is I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Mm. I want to feel constantly in this like safe little control, bubble yeah. and in control. And I mean, you know, look at like a lot of things. You know, I mean, that's that's probably a huge part of the. Human. But it's an illusion of control, I think, as well. Of course, because when the power stops, or what happens if we get hit by like you know, talk about one of the major things that we haven't looked at is like solar flares. Like we're guaranteed a solar flare in the next hundred years, which will basically wipe out most of the power on the planet. And the implications of that power What's outage. The solar flare? So solar flare is happening all the time. It's like so the the sun is like it has you know it's a nuclear reactor mm. and it's it's sending up a lot of like pulses of energy. You know? mm. And a solar flare is like a big sort of like nuclear reaction on the on the sort of outside of the because this is constantly nuclear reacting constantly all the time. Mm. And it's like one is goes a little bit further than it's meant to go and it's like a pulse. You know? And it hits us, and it's basically like getting hit by a electromagnetic wave, and it, it just knocks out power technology. Yeah? Mm. And the implications of that are like millions of people dying, and it's like something. Which wouldn't necessarily be a bad which is, thing. But, 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 but something we haven't actually we haven't, like, we, we haven't invested in like how we would deal with that. But it's kind of like there's this thing where we like said we have this little bubble we're in. But that little bubble is actually constantly, like you said, it, it's not really real. And we're mm. constantly having to enforce the bubble, mm. you know, keep the bubble there. It's really interesting, isn't it? So you also, you teach yoga and mental health. Mm. Tell me about that. How's that? That must be interesting. Well, it's really good. Um, more like now that I've got into it a lot deeper, then um, I've started to think, really understand the physics of yoga and what, the tools that we learn, how they're impacting the individual because of the way that certain patients can be labelled mm. and then how simply you can make them feel whole again. Yeah. And um, it's really rad. It's been really fun um, working with them. 
and I still really, I, I still do love it. They like, but now I'm seeing a better result from teaching them. So yeah. we've started to get. There's been an awakening, like there's an awakening in people, and there's an awakening in how the patients are receiving the stuff, or whether I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's just really changed. They they they're getting understanding their bodies a lot more and really quickly. So it's like all of their funk that they've been like pushed on, and they're just it's it's quite interesting results that you get. More than more than the average person who comes to yoga in a class because they don't think you know like perhaps they don't think there's something wrong with them because they haven't been labelled anything and so yeah. then there's this openness about working with mental health which has been really really fascinating like people who were really against or not against it but were like you know working government servants uh, yeah what are they called yeah. public servants yeah. and um but just like yoga is for everything so. yeah and so then like having people who are in the um in, in like the, na the navy and in the police force recognizing and even tattooing themselves with freaking yoga tattoos after yeah, like which being is pretty class, cool, which right? is pretty like you know like that's a commitment and although they're struggling after leaving the hospital the contact is still there in the sense that they they know that they've got this practice that they can come back to when they're ready and it, mm. it, it's really cool to work with them because they they're, they're seeing the benefit of it and the accessibility in society now is really rad because like I'll there's people coming from all over different areas in Australia and then it's cool to have different yoga teachers that you can refer them to into all their studios. So it's growing the web or that circle of life um, and, you know, dissolving the boundaries between mental health being something to look a part of or just something to work with. Mm. And um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool, like, doing a lot of breath work with them. I must say there's a lot of energetic shifts that happen with them really quickly and it rooms rem like yeah i don't i it's just such joy working with them hmm. well, that's very good i think it's one of those things where it's actually like you said you, most of your clientele as a yoga teacher will be sort of normal people who class themselves as normal um whether they've got you know some sort of diagnosis or not but then you're working with people like uh you're working with a mental health where some of them are more crisis situations it's also interesting because i think you're right you can see the changes uh can be like really more obvious mm. like it's a lot more obvious what's going on like more obvious when you get it wrong mm. and more obvious when you get it right yeah. whereas in a normal yoga setting it's it's not as so that setting i i think is a really good setting for a yoga teacher because basically it it's doesn't it pulls no punches mm. like if you fuck it up it can go real fucked up and mm. if you get it right it can be like the thing that makes the person like decide that maybe shit's worth continuing on with you know? yeah but um in regards to so you know your role in teaching to yoga to them also within the sort of structure that they're now in which i, I guess is you know they're in a system which diagnoses them which also probably medicates them and things mm. like that in certain ways and their relationship towards that diagnosis like what's your thoughts on the actual like your role there is like you do what you can do with your role but also the system you see them enmeshed in how do you feel about that system well 
It's been interesting because, yeah, you're working with anomalies that you don't know how they're affecting them. And so um, my role or my way of looking at it is, is working with whatever's working with them. And sometimes, you know, like even, even, you know, the ancient times, they use certain drugs to help them get to certain places. And so the way that I frame it to... The people that are coming, that is that these are all training wheels, and mm. then you keep the things that are important to you. And you know, some people aren't ready to lose some kind of you know habitual like pharmaceutical taking, and that's not really like something that I feel that I have to you know move into. They're in a system and I do make them aware that they're in a system and they have a choice to come out of the system and control their own system. Do you see, do you see some of them they also I don't know what it is, it's like a very human thing but they begin to, oh come on come Lola. on, go 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 whoa, so who have we got this is Lola, Lola. look at this, you move like a, like a tiger or a panther yep, come here, so go to her show them, show them how cool you move <laughs> come go. on Lola Oh, Lola. Whoa. <laughs> this tail is like really, really long. Well, maybe it's because it's got no hair that we can see all the movement. Well, we no, I reckon, it's, we reckon it's skin's different. Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got Boston, so we just said we're at Boston's house. <laughs> Boston can stick his head in. Maybe he'll do an interview with me after this. <laughs> so once you're there, you're there. It's like, it's prepared. <laughs> That's it. I'm going back. Back in the field. Back in the hall. Um, yeah, I also see that people maybe get attached and related. Oh, absolutely. And that's actually a really funny thing that, um, using em emphasis or e emphatic language to make them aware that of that has had some really interesting conversations post-classes. Mm. Um, you know, like, like to say, like you were talking to me and like, I, I'm bipolar. Oh right. Oh, I'm bipolar. Yeah. It's like, well, we're you... all we're all bipolar. If you're yeah. creative, oh. you're using both sides of your brain to. I'm, I'm depressed. Oh no, I've got post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Welcome to everybody in the I've, human I've race. Got, I've got PTSD. <laughs> I've got PTSD. Yeah. Well, I've you know, I've got PTSD. Yeah, and so I think what I, where because you're aware that I use linguistics a lot to shape and change the way that I share things. Um, and uh. So breaking this, the habit of being addicted to a label has been an interesting one. Because mm -hmm. I think that's, that's that becomes a limitation where it's oh, like... It's, I mean, it's I horrible. It's like bipolar. saying you're... I'm a shy person. Like, if somebody tells you you're shy, then what are you going to do? You're going to oh. behave in this way. Oh, we got it. Got it. Let's see. Let me just check. That's still going. It should still technically be going anyway. I should have been. I should have been smarter. This is this is a learning curve for me. <laughs> that was really smart, really quick. I, that was. I didn't even think of that. Well, I should have thought that at the start. Normally, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and that was. That would have. But you, that you nailed that one. Perfectionism. <laughs> you know, speaking of perfectionism, actually, I've worked out that actually perfectionism is a great thing because it means you're always striving for something more, and that 
and being after being a human that's in a society that teaches you to be less so this is coming back to that labeling i guess in a way yeah, yeah, yeah. because if you're a perfectionist and you're constantly trying to break an old shell so if somebody's labeling you something you will go you'll go further yeah you'll go and you'll further. go through that and actually it's kind of it's a, it's a good thing and like for many years i kind of put myself down about it and kind of try to hide it and I even tried on the shirt of being lazy for two years. Oh, no. And so recently I've got out of that because um, it didn't serve me. No, it didn't work. No, lazy doesn't serve anyone. Lazy's all right. for. I can do lazy for like a week in Rarotonga. Yeah. But even then I'll surf like every day. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't do the no movement thing. I just no, I feel no. like shit. No, yeah, no, 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 no movement. <laughs> no movement. No, it was like... Yeah, that's probably my number one thing to people is if you feel tired, move. Yeah. Not moving generally makes you feel more tired. Yeah, That's totally. what I find. I find if I'm tired and I move, I feel less tired. Yeah, totally. For sure. You've got to move that. Yeah. But I think you're right when you're talking about this. I mean, it's interesting. In New Zealand, we, we call it tall poppy syndrome. Mm. And I remember it as a kid. Like, and I think it's worse in New Zealand. Really? It's pretty bad here. It's bad here. It's pretty bad. I think New Zealand's a little bit worse because it's a smaller place. Mm. But I, I, I know it's here too because I remember like when I moved here, I was aware of it. I think here, it's in New Zealand, it was, I were, it was really aware of There was this point when I used to compete for bodyboarding. And there's this point that you kind of go past where everyone's with you. Mm. And then there's this point where everybody wants you to burn. Mm. You know, like you've gone too far, yeah? Like you're, yeah. you're pushing too far, you yeah. know, you're pushing, you think you're... And it's not like you're walking around like, oh, fucking shit, like, mm. you know, like maybe... But you're just a, trying. Maybe you just American style, you know, you think about like American style, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, I remember when I got to LA and gone to serve in Mexico and like, you know, I find America a very strange place. But the one thing I say is like, yeah, no tall poppy syndrome. It's more like everyone's just like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and a, yeah, and get a bigger and bigger. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, but and, I think and that, that's a weird thing. But, but it's a cultural thing because, I mean, like I, like Hungarians, heaps of Hungarians went from Hungary to America and made it big there. Yeah. Because they had, like, Hungarians have this, like, really crazy creativity in, like, their, their genes somehow. And they, they, you know, they've got the Rubik's Cube. They've got the biro pen. They've got yeah. the FPOS machine. Like, yeah. they're nailing lots of stuff they're there. Nailing stuff, yeah. And the Americans, they all loved it. And that, that's what I really love because that's multiculturalism gone well. Yeah, the like, Americans Austra weren't like, get out of that Yeah, country. exactly. They were like, no, let's make this like the freaking... Yeah. I mean, obviously there was some stuff going on, but like, yeah, that didn't have so much of that tall poppy thing. They actually praised the tall poppy, yeah, which is... Whereas here, like you could imagine the Hungarians coming to Australia. Yeah. And the Australians like just hammering them down like you immigrants, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's blah. the thing. I mean, that's actually what happened to me in primary school, you know? Yeah, Why are you eating salami? Like, what are you eating dried fruit and nuts for lunch for? Like, where are your freaking dyed pink wafer biscuits? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I think, I mean, here New Zealand has, has that. Um, New Zealand has that as well. But I would say that coming to, it's also different than the, the old indigenous thing. Like in New Zealand, the indigenous population... <laughs> You know, they didn't do well out of, um, I guess, like New Zealand being settled by the Europeans, but then also English. But they, whoa! But 
you know, not not to the degree that it happened here. You mm. know, like here, you know, I remember being in school and there were Maori and there were other cultures and it was generally like racism wasn't really a thing that I remembered. Mm. But then I could imagine being, say, an Aboriginal or a, um, you know, another person from another country in Australia and I do find the racial stuff to be a little bit heavier. Mm. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but I kind of feel like it is. <laughs> no, I don't think you can get in trouble yeah. for anything these no. days. <laughs> Greta Thornburg's running the world. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So what, what would you say, like, I guess, like, to start to move it towards, towards an end is, I don't know, like, what would be your advice? You know, you're working and teaching people yoga and mental health. You're teaching yoga in, in teenagers. normal contexts and teenagers. So teen yoga as well is probably, like, a, a pretty gnarly thing as well. Oh, it's just a bit, yeah, it's special boys. Yeah. What, what, what would be your advice to people uh, who maybe are interested in yoga but don't know what to do or maybe be interested in your body be interested in how your senses work be just wake up to the awesomeness that the body and life has to offer because everything's happening for us not to us and you know get involved get curious because there's so much out there there's so much information there's so many cool ways to understand the philosophy of yoga and life like like yoga philosophy is life philosophy and so just be interested in as many like follow as any path there's so many different ways to look into it to go to classes to read to study to just wake up your senses by like not turning the lights on at night time and just working out that, hey, we can actually see in the dark. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know that we can see yeah, in the dark? Yeah, the cats know that. Yeah, cats so that. be more of a creature because yeah. it's like worth it. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what society says about you. You've always got a chance to get the wholeness of being human. What, what would be your advice to someone who maybe wants to do something but is afraid to do it because of what their peers would think of them what would you say to them or even um, like okay so i'm gonna like explain a meme yep, you, can. <laughs> you know how there's like all these white sheep and then there's this little dog just poking his head out of the mm -hmm. sheep mm -hmm. he's a dog he's a dog <laughs> be the dog just be the dog even be the should... dog if you want you know like if anything like there's nothing there is no struggles in life there's only opportunities and so if you are feeling something that's not working then hey step out of it step out of the friends who cares doesn't matter like you know you don't get by following you know like if you be the starter of it if you're your friends don't do it do it if you're interested do it yeah. I was always the oddball, and I reckon I know you are as well. <laughs> and everyone I know is an oddball, and we're not that odd because there's so many of us now. And yeah. the more that the oddballs feel that it's cool to be odd, then the less odd you feel. That's true. You'll find you'll find people. That's the thing. I guess if you take take the initiative to follow what you want to do, then you'll find other people who made that choice as well. Mm. And there's so much out there now. Like there's like even. Even five years ago, there wasn't as much as there is now, obviously. But, like, just the accessibility. Like, for me, I've been working with this kind of stuff since I was 15. And so 
just, you know, it used to be a secret thing if you used to, have you read the book to Lessing Prophecy? Oh, you, you too. Okay, yeah, me too. Okay, but there wasn't that many people. <laughs> no, <laughs> but now it's like you, you, everyone's, it's out there and it's cool. So it actually, if, if you're interested in something, go, freaking find, search, connect, because it's, we've got the technology, we've got everything there, you know, like, mm. like Warriors, my poem doesn't come from nowhere, like, yeah. it's, it's happening. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Because we're being the first, yeah. the first, so let yeah, me, yeah. let me just, I'll say goodbye. Bye, see <laughs>